Ambitious show for you today on Roto Underworld Radio with Matt Kelly. You can contact the show at Roto Underworld on Twitter. Email the show, rotounderworld at gmail.com. I'm talking very quickly because I need to have the most efficient show of my lifetime today. We had so much to talk about. We've been diverted and detoured on each show as we always, always seem to get detoured. And there's so many players to talk about. There's so many games to talk about. We had a goal starting the week with a football diehard show on Monday to talk about a single player from every game that happened last Sunday in week five. And we've talked about five players total. We did a segment last week called Nuggets in Your Face. Nuggets in your face. That was a very popular segment. We had a lot of people contact us on social media and via email saying, I love the Nuggets segment. Great show with the Nuggets show. The Nuggets shows are mailing it in shows. You all do know that, right? When I do a Nuggets show, that's just me mailing it in. I can do a Nuggets show off the top of my head. I have so many Nuggets. I'm just a Nugget machine. I mean, if I were a superhero, I would have a cannon for an arm, and it would just shoot chicken nuggets. Again, these would be hot, crispy chicken nuggets like you get right out of the deep fryer at McDonald's, but they would be chicken nuggets. Like, boom, 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 poof, poof. You know, well, different arm, right? So one arm is more of, is a higher caliber cannon. Sounds like this. Poof, poof. Those are the chicken selects, right? I have one arm that just fires chicken selects. Those are the big elongated sports takes that take me two or three minutes to set up. More of the Mike Tomlin sports takes. Let me tell you about why Mike Tomlin's a great coach, but I'm going to do it throughout the course of a 15-minute diatribe. No one likes those shows. The shows with the 15-minute diatribes, crickets after that show. You do a show with just little bits and little bites and who to pick up and who to add, who to drop, who to trade for. Oh, so much adulation after those shows. But you actually put some thought into a show, actually set up a whole show sheet, sit down for hours thinking through a problem, something that might be counterintuitive, something that might be a, a unique perspective on an issue in sports. Nothing. Nothing. Do a waiver wire show. Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. Oh, brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant. Little nuggets about the box score. Oh, tremendous. Genius. Genius. Tell me more. More nuggets. More. Blum, 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 blum. Um, so I'm happy. I'm sitting back. Just the nugget cannon. And that's this arm. Actually, there's only one of the, the giant caliber bullet. That's my Mike Tomlin bullet. I'm out of ammunition. This arm, though, the other arm has the little chicken nuggets. So we're out of chicken selects. We used up that 15-minute segment yesterday. No more chicken selects. We only have the little chicken nuggets. This arm that has the lower caliber cannon. <laughs> have you figured out how much I love that the cannon sound effect, the gun cannon sound effect? I find a way to work it into almost every show. I don't know why. I love it. Love that. Feels good. Feels good to do that. But we did. We talked on Wednesday about how many coaches are asking their players to play through broken bones, play through torn ligaments, and then when the team needs their leadership the most, those coaches act like scared buffoons and they kick field goals on fourth and one on the goal line. And yet these coaches, these are the individuals that the sports media and the generic sports fan revere. And I don't understand it. Even fantasy gamers revere these guys. 
give these guys credit for player performance that they don't deserve. And it's maddening to me. There's a contradiction there. These are the keepers of the team morale and the leadership. And when asked to build team morale and show leadership, they cower. And so that is, I think, going to be a theme I keep coming back to, even though you all probably fast forward through those segments just looking for the nuggets. Did he talk about Sharkandrick West yet? Fast forward, fast forward. We also talked about this week how Andy Dalton's play on the field is directly proportional to the amount of hair product that he's using. And it's worth noting, just one more time, just for the record, because we have this record that we're keeping, we have the binder, where all the things I've said are on the record. This isn't on the record, this is, this is everywhere, this is ubiquitous, you can look this up anywhere, but I just want to make sure you know this, if you're listening over the airwaves to Roto Underworld Radio, you need to be reminded that Andy Dalton, through five weeks that include matchups against teams like Seattle, is the number two quarterback in fantasy football behind only Tom Brady. You need to know that. Because when you go to playerprofiler.com, we have this awesome new lineup optimizer. You can click on DraftKings. You can click on FanDuel. It provides you with the best cash lineup in FanDuel and DraftKings and 10 separate GPP tournament lineups for each Daily Fantasy platform. Our rankings are some of the best in the industry. I would put our rankings up against anyone right now. We need five weeks of data. Once we have five weeks of data to look back on in order to make projections, myself and my analytics team here feel very confident in our rankings, incredibly confident. And then those rankings are used in the lineup optimizer algorithm to provide you with the best possible lineup. In the GPP case, we have 10 lineups. Now, the number one lineup is the best lineup, but lineups 2 through 10 are also very good. And sometimes they're a bit different than the cash lineup because the cash lineup has a lower volatility. So players that swing wildly from week to week, 25 points, 5 points, 25 points, 5 points, That's a high volatility player. A player that's very steady, 12 points, 13 points, 11 points, 12 points, that's a low volatility player. The cash game lineup puts a premium on the low volatility players. The GPPs put a premium on the high volatility players. So that's how we provide value. The great thing is other lineup optimizers that aren't even that sophisticated are paid for services. You have to sign up for the premium, the premium of the premium with the websites around the internet service that offer lineup optimizers. You have to pay. Ours is free this year. This is the tease year. This is where you get hooked. We're like drug dealers. We're fantasy drug dealers. Hey, you want some? You want, want an optimal lineup, huh? Yeah, you want that? You interested? You want some rankings, some projected points? Do you want to know who to start, who to set, who to flex? Yeah. Yeah, come on. Come on in. It's free. Yeah. First click is free. Yeah, sure. This year. All you want, free. You come back next year, you got to pay. That's just, it's life. You got to pay for stuff. Nothing's free in this world. There is no free lunch. But there is a free buffet on playerprofiler.com for the rest of the year. You're going to be able to enjoy the most sophisticated lineup optimizer tool ever created. The most sophisticated player rankings available today. And then, of course, always and forever, the player pages And the other ancillary sections, like the podcast section and the article section, will always be free. Forever and ever. Amen. But when you go to the rankings, you'll see there's Andy Dalton in the top three where he belongs. Yet, DraftKings, FanDuel, they don't 
set Andy Dalton's salary as if he's a top five quarterback. And as long as they're not going to do that, as long as they're not going to be realists and realize, hey, this guy's great. He's ascended. Where have you been? I don't know. You continue to set the salary as if he's outside the top 10. No problem. We'll just keep playing him every week. Again, not a problem. We'll just continue to make money off the the market inefficiency that is the Andy Dalton salary on both DraftKings and FanDuel each and every week because those salaries are driven by public perception, by the narratives weaved by the major sports media platforms. They do influence the salaries on DraftKings and FanDuel. Look no further than the Andy Dalton salary, if you don't believe me. But I'm sure you do believe me. Andy Dalton has a top five wide receiver, has a top five running back, has a top five tight end. That matters. Supporting cast matters a lot. That's been a theme we keep coming back to week after week. Coaching matters on the margins. When you're looking at the external forces that impact player performance, coach is one of them, supporting cast is the other. But supporting cast matters so much more than the coach on the sidelines. And yet it's flipped when you read most fantasy analysis. Most of the analysis is skewed towards talking about the coach being the reason for the performance. When in reality, if you're going to look past the player, your focus should turn immediately to who the supporting cast is. And Andy Dalton exemplifies this. And you see this looking through all the different quarterbacks. The quarterbacks with the weapons are scoring lots of fantasy points. The quarterbacks without great weapons are flopping. That's what happens. That's why it's possible to stream Brian Hoyer because he gets to throw the ball to DeAndre Hopkins and Arian Foster. And now Jalen Strong. Please, God, little Brian, please put Jalen Strong in the game. Please. It's why Ryan Tannehill's struggling. Because they continue to start Jarvis Landry. Wah, wah, wah. The least athletic wide receiver in the history of the NFL. I mean, you can go back. You know how with evolution, the players become bigger, faster, stronger. Faster is one of those attributes. Faster, faster, faster every year. The players get faster and faster, more explosive. Well, you can go all the way back to the, the advent of football, back to the 20s. You still won't find a player slower than Jarvis Landry, less explosive than Jarvis Landry, yet he's the leader in snaps on the Miami Dolphins, and you wonder what's wrong with Ryan Tannehill. But you see a lot of quarterbacks producing. It's not just Andy Dalton in terms of late-round quarterbacks. Top five quarterback, Andy Dalton. Top five quarterback, Carson Palmer. Top 10 quarterback, Tyrod Taylor. We've had a great run the last couple weeks of cheap quarterbacks, quarterbacks you were drafting in the late rounds, quarterbacks you were picking up off the waiver wire. Josh McCown was the number one fantasy quarterback last week. Think about that. You have quarterbacks like Matthew Stafford and Ryan Tannehill flopping. Peyton Manning, Drew Brees flopping. You have Josh McCown, Tyrod Taylor, Andy Dalton, Alex Smith, Carson Palmer, throwing for 300 plus yards and three touchdowns. Incredible. And you keep hearing, keep seeing all these lists. Look at all these quarterbacks that you could have drafted at the end of your draft that are now winning matchups. Late round quarterback. Late round quarterback. Need I remind you, late round quarterback. More evidence that late round quarterback is the right tactic. Yeah, we get it. Enough. Everybody knows that late round quarterback is the proper tactic to use in fantasy football. Who doesn't know that by now? If you're in a single quarterback league, you don't waste early round draft capital on a quarterback. Everybody knows this. You don't need to keep hammering us over the head with the late round quarterback tactic. Yes, if this was 2012 and 
Arguments were being made to draft Cam Newton in the first round. Yes, please insist on letting us know about the late round quarterback tactic and how rational it is and how that's the way to optimize your lineup. Get the most out of your fantasy draft. Yes, please go out on your lawn, wave a flag, shout, picket the area, whatever area you want, wherever fantasy players hang out, picket that area. Hell no, we won't draft a quarterback in the first round. Hell no, we won't draft a quarterback in the first round. Hell no, we won't draft a quarterback in the first round. And all the fantasy gamers inside are looking out the window going, what's up? Who's that person out there? That person's crazy. But maybe he's onto something. Maybe he's crazy like a fox. Maybe I shouldn't draft Aaron Rodgers and or Cam Newton in the first round. That was three years ago. It's over. The good guys won. We all know quarterbacks are commodities in standard fantasy leagues now. You don't need to draft one. You can just go to the waiver wire this week and pick up Teddy Bridgewater, who will be facing the number one defense to face. If you are a quarterback, the best defense to face is the Kansas City Chiefs. He'll have Charles Johnson active. He'll have Mike Wallace. He has Kyle Rudolph. Stephon Diggs, a mini ascension of Stephon Diggs going to be playing the slot probably if it's not Stefan Diggs it's going to be Jarius Wright those are both great slot receivers I don't know if Stefan Diggs is a great slot receiver I think Jarius Wright's a great slot receiver Diggs could be a great slot receiver one day we at least know he's pretty good based on what he did last week anytime you go five or more catches over 50 yards it wasn't last week it was the week before last they had a bye last week but we saw what Stefan Diggs can do when targeted and he produced he was efficient so we like that any standard league, anyone can go out and pick up Teddy Bridgewater off the waiver wire. And that is going to help you win your matchup. You don't need to draft a quarterback in the first five rounds. Everybody knows that by now. This is just the way fantasy football is played. You don't need to constantly send lists of what quarterbacks that are in the top 10 could have been drafted outside round 10. You don't need to do that. It's over. We can just move on now. And start producing other content that's not regurgitating late-round quarterback tactics and why they're good. Yes, we get it. It's now self-evident. You shouldn't be drafting Peyton Manning in the fourth round. No, you shouldn't have done that. Yes, if you did it, you're an idiot. Those people probably are just playing fantasy for the first time. So they've learned their lesson. We get it. Let's move on. With Peyton Manning, though, I honestly think that he desperately needs a red zone weapon like Julius Thomas. And I think Virgil Green is that guy. Did I just hit you with a nugget? That's a nugget. That's an old nugget. That's an old stale nugget, right? That was an old, because I gave that, I gave that old, that's an old take. I just, wait, I just went into reruns. I just lapsed into reruns. I have a whole bunch of nuggets ready to go. They're brand new, fresh nuggets that are, that are in the chamber, locked and loaded. And what did I do? I hit you with an old stale nugget. I just lapsed into reruns. Wow. Okay, well, let's go. Boom, boom, boom. I'm going to hit you with Nugget. This is going to be, for the remaining 25 minutes, this is just going to be Nuggets, Fast and Furious, based on the games from last week. We're going to talk tomorrow on the Football Die Hard show about the upcoming matchups. I'm not going to get too much into the upcoming matchups. I will maybe, with a couple of these Nuggets, I will. But there's still a lot of observations that I made from last week's games that I need to share with you. Derek Carr in that game, Denver-Oakland where I made that observation about Peyton Manning needing a red zone weapon like Virgil Green. Virgil Green needs to be a starter. Owen Daniels needs to be benched. Derek Carr was productive against the league's stingiest pass defense. 250 yards and a touchdown. That was impressive. And it reminded me, when I think of late-round quarterback, I keep thinking of J.J. Zachariah because he had his 
Twitter handle is at late round quarterback. And I remember that JJ Zachariah also published an article earlier this year where he was trolling Raider fans, shredding Derek Carr. And I came on the show and I said, why are you doing that? Why are you critiquing Derek Carr's rookie season in February? What's the point of that? We tried to figure out the reasoning behind writing that article, that hatchet piece on Derek Carr in February. The answer was, it's very difficult to get clicks on football articles in February. The way to do it is to troll Raider fans, because Raider fans are the most passionate. They're also the craziest, but they are the most passionate. So if you criticize a Raiders player in February, you will get plenty of clicks. That is the answer. But now Derek Carr is happening. So I'm not playing the result here. We talked about this. I criticized that piece months ago, because there were some positive signs on Derek Carr's overall profile coming into the league as a rookie. And then there were some positive signs, namely his red zone completion percentage last year, where you said, wait a second, he did this with James Jones as his number one receiver. Little did we know at the time that James Jones is actually the best receiver in the league. (laughs) Right? What? But the idea was, okay, we're going to give Derek Carr some weapons. We're going to give him Amari Cooper and then see what happens. And what happens? He looks great. He's producing even against Denver. That's a huge accomplishment. That was his best game of the year. It might have been his worst game of the year in terms of fantasy point output, but it was the most encouraging performance of the year because he did it against the league's stingiest pass defense. Derek Carr is happening. Also, you can't stream defenses against Oakland. It used to be automatic. Take a defense playing Oakland. You cannot do that anymore because of Derek Carr, because of Amari Cooper, and because of Latavius Murray, and because that offensive line has been totally revamped and playing well. Now, the game last weekend, New England-Dallas. I was wrong about Brandon Whedon. I thought Brandon Whedon would at least be functional behind a great offensive line. Whoa, was I wrong. He was dreadful, and now he's been benched. And we talked about how Brandon Whedon can't throw left. We also learned that he can't throw in the middle. He can't throw right. He just can't throw any direction. And Lance Dunbar went down with a torn ACL the week before, in week four. And it's been interesting to see how Dallas responded to that in week five. What did they do? They converted Darren McFadden to a passing down specialist. They made Darren McFadden the new Lance Dunbar. He's not Lance Dunbar. He's not nearly as fast as Lance Dunbar anymore. He used to be. But Darren McFadden is now a degraded version of his former self. So he will play that Lance Dunbar role, but he will not have as many receptions and as many yards this season as Lance Dunbar would have. So that's how you can play Darren McFadden if you happen to own him in a deep league. He is usable in PPR. But we always talk about this. When an injury happens, there is a butterfly effect. It creates opportunities for other players. And it created a tremendous opportunity for Joseph Randall because by moving Darren McFadden out of the early down rotation, it left all of the early work to Joseph Randall. The carry breakdown against the Patriots... Joseph Randall, 15, Darren McFadden, 5, Kristen Michael, 1. Kristen Michael, exciting, athletic specimen, so explosive, so agile, right? Right? I should be excited about Kristen Michael, but I'm not. And then the news comes out. Oh, the news. Oh, the Cowboys, they're starting to hype Kristen Michael. Don't be surprised if Kristen Michael plays as many snaps as Joseph Randall next week. (gasps) The Cowboys are going to use the bye to install Joseph Randall and get him up to speed. Yeah, that's going to happen, right? Remember those same reporters were reporting that Darren McFadden would be the starter in week one, and then it 
was Joseph Randall. Remember that? Joseph Randall was the number one running back on the depth chart, and then Joseph Randall was the starter. And now Joseph Randall continues to be the number one running back on the depth chart. Not Kristen Michael, yet Kristen Michael's supposed to get more carries. Do you really think that's going to happen? Are the Cowboys prone to hyperbole, hyping the players on the back of their roster? Do you remember when Jerry Jones said that Brandon Whedon throwing the football is a thing of beauty? He'll probably come out and say that Kristen Michael running the football is a thing of beauty. And then they'll go ahead and give Joseph Randall 18 carries and he'll roll up 80 yards and a touchdown because that's what Joseph Randall does. Because you can't simply install a brand new running back who's not competent over the bye week. Do you know what NFL players do over the bye week? They go home. They rest. That's what the bye week is for. This idea that the bye week is used to install new plays and that the players are all there at the facility every day implementing all this new innovation is a fallacy. That's not how it works. But that's what confirmation bias looks like. Those of you that are blinded by Kristen Michaels' athleticism and blinded by your irrational dislike of Joseph Randall, where that comes from, I don't know. You want so badly to see Joseph Randall benched because you don't like Joseph Randall. Even better that it's Kristen Michael, someone with exciting athleticism. So sometimes a team will come out, a coach will come out and say, yeah, we're trying to get this guy more carries. And then everyone will look at each other and go, yeah, right. Sure. You're just saying that, you know, that guy can't play. We've heard this before with this player. Yeah, right. Sure. We're just going to stick with what the published depth chart says. Thanks anyway, coaches. We know better than to fall for that. Not in this case. Everyone's running out and trying to trade for Kristen Michael now because there was a report that he could get more carries at the expense of Joseph Randall. <gasps> oh no! Just soaked in confirmation bias. You want to believe that, so you will. And that's fine. But when Lance Dunbar went down, that was a boon for both Darren McFadden and Joseph Randall. Darren McFadden became a better play in PPR leagues, and Joseph Randall received an extra five carries. When you look at the opportunity share across the running backs, what do you think is going to happen? Eight targets that were going to Lance Dunbar are now going to Darren McFadden. Darren McFadden can't carry the ball as much if he's playing in passing downs. He's not a full-time player. There is a waterfall effect when players go down with injury, and that waterfall effect is dumping carries into the Joseph Randall bucket. Joseph Randall will be a better play in week seven than he has been all season. Well, with the exception of that uber juicy matchup against Atlanta. It'll never get better than that. But Joseph Randall is a contrarian great play. Now, the Nuggets are not coming fast and furious. These are slow Nuggets. This this actual, this Nugget cannon, we know that the the Chicken Selects cannon is is out of ammunition. So there's it's, it's just empty. This, this we, we, we were thinking this was going to be poof, 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 right? We've got through two nuggets, I think. So it's really like this. Maybe it's just farting. Maybe there's not even nuggets in there. Maybe it's just farts. That's really all it is. We've talked about it. I've struggled all week with shows, whether it's inefficiency, whether it's just my brain short-circuiting, whether it's awkward transitions. There's been problems with every show. And this show has, you know, inefficiency has been the big problem with this show. But we're going to keep going. We're going to keep plowing forward. Another another nugget for you. Here, here you go. Here, here's a nugget. <laughs> Dion Lewis is a full-blown every week RB. An RB1. It's been established based on what happened in Dallas. Dion Lewis is a full-blown every week RB1. He's more than just a Shane Vereen, Jekyll and Hyde, high volatility GPP play. 
Deion Lewis is a cash game play. When you go to playerprofiler.com and you go to the optimizer, the lineup optimizer, you will see Deion Lewis in cash games because he is cash. He's the personification of cash. He and Le'Veon Bell are cash. Their middle names should just be cash. In that Dallas game, it was a 20-point blowout win. It was a blunt game. And yet, Deion Lewis scored 20 fantasy points. In a blunt game. Think about that. It was a blowout win, and Deion Lewis scored 20 fantasy points. Deion Lewis is an every-week play. And by the way, how perfect is it that the Colts and the Browns both released Deion Lewis? And during that span of time, when those franchises owned Deion Lewis... One was drafting Trent Richardson, and then the other was trying to trade for Trent Richardson. All the while, Deion Lewis was hanging around the facility, and those franchises were oblivious to his talent. That is just so perfect. The Browns especially, and the Browns releasing Deion Lewis after releasing Charles Johnson, after releasing Bill Belichick, (laughs) right? The Browns also released Tom Brady at one point. That's a lie, but you can imagine that happening. It, it, It wouldn't surprise you. If we went back and rewrote the history books and Tom Brady was actually drafted by the Browns, released, and then picked up by the Patriots. Would that surprise anyone? No, it wouldn't. Here's some stats for you, some stats in your face for this upcoming week's matchup against the Colts. This is the ultimate big back game. This is the ultimate blunt game. Patriots' big backs, the last three times they've faced the Colts, this is what they've done. LeGarrette Blunt, 20 carries, 148 yards, and three touchdowns. Jonas Gray, 37 carries. Incredible. I mean, 37 touches. 201 yards, four touchdowns. Blunt, again, another game, 25 carries, 166 yards, and four touchdowns. That's what the Patriots' big backs do to the Colts. They slash and burn that team. So if there ever was going to be a game to play like Eric Blunt, this is the week. But there are no more Blunt and Vereen games. There are no more big back, small back games in New England. There's just a committee. And it's a different committee than there was last year because Deion Lewis is a better running back than Shane Vereen. He's a different guy. And just because this is going to be the best possible matchup for LeGarrette Blunt doesn't mean you bench Deion Lewis. Now, when you look at the Seattle game, Seattle-Cincinnati, we talked about Thomas Rawls. Thomas Rawls doing what he did to Cincinnati. When you talk about a Blunt game, that was the equivalent of a Blunt game. 169 yards and a touchdown. But Thomas Rawls is not athletic. He's not explosive. He's not fast. But this is what we keep talking about. With these between-the-tackles grinders, the matchup is all that matters. Because it's a symbiotic relationship between themselves, the offense, and the offensive line, if the line creates space, the running back will produce. Because when the line creates space, the running back can gather momentum. And then those of us that are watching the highlights of Thomas Rawls think, wow, he looks fast. Of course he looks fast. Because he had space to operate, he was able to get his body going and create momentum, create forward inertia. And then you can maneuver more quickly when you are translating forward momentum sideways. You look like you're laterally explosive. You look like an explosive downhill runner. You just look explosive when given space. When there are defenders waiting for you in the backfield, you can never gain momentum. You can never get into that second gear. You can never shift into that second gear and make a football move. You just get tackled because you have no momentum. You're a sitting duck. That's what happens. The great run defenses, they bottle up the running backs. They never let them get going. 
the bad run defenses do let these big backs get going. And if you let a big back get going, even if he's not that fast, he's not that agile, not that explosive, a big back like Thomas Rawls will gash you. And that's what's going to happen to the Colts this week. You look back at the game from last week, last Thursday night, Texans-Colts. A couple observations from that game. T.Y. Hilton is still the number one receiver for the Colts. So I think that we thought it was going to be Dante Moncrief, but T.Y. Hilton was suffering with a bone bruise in his knee. Now that that's healing, we can see quite clearly that T.Y. Hilton is back. And that revenge games are real. I think that in that game last week, they did draw plays where Andre Johnson was going to be the number one option in the read progression. And Hasselbeck is a checkdown quarterback. It makes sense that the checkdown quarterback would throw short passes to Andre Johnson. In retrospect, it was obvious that was going to happen. They would draw more than the average number of plays up for Andre Johnson against his former team, and that the checkdown quarterback would happily oblige and feed Andre Johnson. It just it made sense in retrospect. Not all of us saw it, especially because it's a Thursday game, so we don't have time to process it. I hate Thursday games because you can't really put a full amount of thought into what you believe is going to happen. It's sort of a partial forecast. It's a degraded forecast because the Thursday games, you just don't have time to properly think it through. That's how the Andre Johnson game can take you so much by surprise. But we know Andrew Luck, unlike Matt Hasselbeck, likes to push the ball downfield. And Andre Johnson can't get downfield. That's why Andre Johnson isn't targeted typically when Andrew Luck is the quarterback. And that's why I'm still stashing Philip Dorsett because Philip Dorsett has that 4-3-3 speed that Andrew Luck craves. Andrew Luck loves shot plays. And no one can run shot plays better on the Colts than Philip Dorsett. Now look at the Texans in that game. I was wrong about DeAndre Hopkins. What I said about DeAndre Hopkins was is that there was a low probability. It was improbable. A wide receiver with Brian Hoyer and Ryan Mallett as his quarterbacks could become a wide receiver one in fantasy. Simply improbable, but not impossible. And DeAndre Hopkins shows us that the improbable is possible. If you have phenomenal talent, check. If you get exceptional volume, check. Ryan Mallett had a game with 58 pass attempts. So check volume, check. Lots of garbage time. Heading into that game, Rich Rebar at Lord Reeves tweeted out this statistic. That DeAndre Hopkins had nine catches for 106 yards on 23 targets in the first half through four weeks. Then in the second half, 22 receptions, 304 yards on 37 targets in the second half. Now... That is a bit of a statistical trick because all receivers on average receive more targets and produce more in the second half. More yards, more touchdowns, and more fantasy points are scored in the second half when the defense is more tired. So that's partly explaining that, but also that it's not fully explained. I mean, nine catches versus 22 receptions, that's a huge disparity. So it's clear DeAndre Hopkins is taking advantage of a lot of garbage time. So you add up. Garbage time, volume, talent, that's how a player like DeAndre Hopkins can somehow become a wide receiver one in fantasy despite having bottom five QB play. Normally that would be an impossible obstacle to overcome, but not so with DeAndre Hopkins. Now, Sigmund Bloom tweeted out, I think around the same time that Lord Reeves tweeted out his tweet about DeAndre Hopkins, Sigmund Bloom from Football Guys tweeted out that Mike Evans could be on the verge of a Julio Jones, Antonio Brown-like explosion because the Buccaneers let Winston throw the ball downfield a ton, and that in the game against Houston, that Mike Evans 
had a few drops and offensive pass interference penalties working against him. And if those hadn't happened, Mike Evans could have had a 200-yard game. But one 200-yard game does not make you Antonio Brown, does not make you Julio Jones. So that was a head-scratcher to me. It's one thing to be a wide receiver one. Like, and I think that it's very possible that DeAndre Hopkins is going to be a wide receiver one this year. He's certainly trending that way. It's another thing to be a top three wide receiver in fantasy. That's yet another layer in the atmosphere. You got the stratosphere, and then you get to the ionosphere. So it was improbable that DeAndre Hopkins could reach that stratosphere, wide receiver one in fantasy. It's a different place. It's a different level of thrust in your rocket ship to get to the ionosphere, to get to top three wide receiver. But that's what Sigmund Bloom was positing. And it was ridiculous. There's one reason why it's ridiculous. Because Mike Evans doesn't have Ben Roethlisberger or Matt Ryan throwing him the football. That's the problem. Yes, there are outliers like DeAndre Hopkins that can overcome bad quarterback play to an extent. But you still need Tony Romo, Matt Ryan, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning to get to the ionosphere to become the top wide receiver in fantasy football, for example. You can't do it with Jameis Winston. It is impossible. That isn't improbable. That task is impossible. So basically, what I'm saying is Sigmund Bloom, his expectation of Mike Evans was actually impossible because Jameis Winston isn't up to the task. And like Sigmund Bloom, I also have overrated Mike Evans' potential this year because I overrated Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston is still a 21-year-old quarterback. He is. He's 21 years old, yet he's a quarterback that's 21 years old that has also strung together five straight 200-plus yard performances. So my expectations for Jameis Winston were unrealistic. What Jameis Winston has actually done has been to exceed more reasonable expectations for what a rookie quarterback can do. Jameis Winston has been a very good rookie quarterback at the NFL level this year, and very few people have noticed because they haven't been winning a lot of games in Tampa. But I think they will, and I think they will start to win games because of Jameis Winston very soon. And I think that in the years ahead, Mike Evans will benefit from being tethered to Jameis Winston, just not this year. It's very difficult to see Jameis Winston helping Mike Evans ascend to wide receiver one status this year. I don't think it's going to happen. And certainly the idea that he could reach a Julio Jones or Antonio Brown echelon was ridiculous on its face. So I didn't understand that analysis at all. One more guy that's taking advantage of garbage time, bad quarterback play, is Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson is phenomenal. Allen Robinson is like Des Bryant if Des Bryant had a bad quarterback and was always playing in garbage time. The end. I'm now only speaking to those of you that are listening to the show on SoundCloud. This was the worst show of my career. I thought Tuesday's show was the worst show. Yesterday's show was really bad also, but at least we had, I thought, a well-articulated commentary surrounding the, the contradiction and the perception of coaches and Mike Tomlin and how Mike Tomlin has risen above that. 
he is one of the few coaches that is not a blatant hypocrite. So I was proud of that. So basically 15 minutes of show this week I'm proud of. Rest of it's been really clunky, really uneven. And normally when the clock strikes 45 minutes, we shut the show down, we edit it, we tighten it up. If you're listening to it on SoundCloud, it's about 35 minutes. If you're listening to it on Blog Talk Radio, it's closer to 45 minutes because we reduce some of the spacing. We tighten up the show on SoundCloud. It's a much more highly produced show than the Blog Talk Radio show. And sometimes I'll run out of time, but yet always I take pride in when I run out of time being able to wrap things up quickly and at least provide you with a, 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 either a, a funny quip at the end or a funny noise. Today, I provided none of that. It was just the end because I had an ambitious show sheet here. I had a lot to talk about and I talked about one third of the content I wanted to talk about. So the nice thing about SoundCloud is, unlike Blog Talk Radio, they allow me to have an extended show, to go past 45 minutes, to go past an hour if I want to. And today I feel compelled to continue talking. So this is an exclusive for the SoundCloud audience, more analysis than you would get otherwise. So I mentioned that Alan Robinson is a dead ringer for Des Bryant. I think that now it's clear in a vacuum that Allen Robinson is the second best wide receiver from that 2014 wide receiver class. That only Odell Beckham Jr. is better than Allen Robinson. I think you can make that argument now. But what's holding him back and why I'm not just going to go out and say, Allen Robinson is the second best receiver from this class. In fantasy, in a fantasy context, I can't say that. Because Mike Evans has a much better quarterback in the long run in Jameis Winston. As does Jordan Matthews in Sam Bradford. Yes, he does. Of course, Dante Moncrief does in Andrew Luck. So that's the huge problem. We've talked about even though DeAndre Hopkins is producing despite his bad quarterback play, he's still producing despite. The word despite means to be achieving the improbable. That's implicit in the word despite. And Allen Robinson will always be handicapped by the presence of Blake Bortles. Blake Bortles is not going to ascend. He is not a good quarterback. Do not be fooled by Blake Bortles' four-touchdown performance last week. Matchups really matter. Matchups drive performance. Chad Henney once threw back-to-back 400-yard games. Nick Foles was the number one quarterback in fantasy for half a season in two years ago. Think about that. With Riley Cooper as the focal point of the offense. Think about that. Matt Flynn has a 480-yard, six-touchdown performance on his resume. Can you believe? Matt Flynn! But Jaguars fans, the fan cult of the team, they will insist that Blake Bortles is developing, and he's not. He's just in his second year. He's getting better. He's improving. Not really. He'll be fine, says the zombie Jaguars fan. No, he won't be fine. He's a problem for Allen Robinson. Blake Bortles is not developing. Before last week's game, Blake Bortles' completion percentage was four percentage points lower than it was in 2014. No, I do not think that he is developing. I think he is enjoying a lot of garbage time. I think he is completing passes when defenses are in prevent mode. Garbage time is when Kelvin Benjamin thrived last year. That's when Allen Robinson can thrive. When the game is competitive, Allen Robinson's production is throttled because Blake Bortles is a below-replacement-level quarterback. 
But as long as the Jaguars have ample garbage time at their disposal, then Hearns and Allen Robinson will produce. And that's what you've seen so far. But it really depends. Those are two very game flow dependent fantasy assets. And it's too bad because Allen Robinson has the talent to be an every week wide receiver one, just like Des Bryant. He looks a lot like Des Bryant. When you go to playerprofiler.com, the best comparable player for Allen Robinson, based on both college production, college efficiency, workout metrics, size, strength, everything aligns between Des Bryant and Allen Robinson. It's one of the closest comps in the playerprofiler.com database. And neither he nor Alan Hearns can be a wide receiver one in fantasy this year. I don't see it happening. It could happen, I guess. I guess. Allen Robinson and DeAndre Hopkins both defying probability. I guess it could happen. But with Bortles, I think that those two players are ticketed for wide receiver two numbers, not wide receiver one numbers. Hearns specifically doesn't have the talent profile of Allen Robinson. Not even close. But what's nice about Allen Robinson and Allen Hearns is there is no number three option. Rashad Green is hurt. Marquise Lee is hurt. There is no number three receiver. And so all the targets get siphoned to Allen Robinson and Allen Hearns. So they are going to put up inefficient numbers on huge volume. They would be more efficient if they had an accurate quarterback, but they're just playing the hand they're dealt. So I like them both as wide receiver twos. I'm just not quite as enthusiastic as some people are about Allen Robinson being a wide receiver one in fantasy. Not yet. In Dynasty, however, I own Allen Robinson a lot because I'm playing the long game with Allen Robinson in Dynasty. I love his long-term potential. I love his profile. Now, that Ravens-Browns game from last week. Gary Barnage has now been targeted 26 times in the last three games and has at least six catches and 75 yards and a touchdown in each of those games. So Gary Barnage is the receiver to own in Cleveland. He's 30 years old, but he's an above-average athlete. Go to the Gary Barnage profile, and you're going to be like, whoa, wait a second, is that, who is that? He's 30? Where has he been all this? I don't know. It's the Browns. The Browns aren't good at finding the right players to play. They're really bad at that. But Barnage runs a 4.65. That's good for a 109.2 height-adjusted speed score, 78th percentile. His burst isn't very good. I mean, he can't be Jimmy Graham athletic. He's not. But his agility score? 11.15, 91st percentile. For a big guy, 6'6", 250, to have an 11.15 agility score? That's incredible size-adjusted agility. He has an above-average spark score. His college yards per reception was over 14 which is very good. His college dominator rating was 20%. That's very good for a tight end. I mean, Gary Barnage, with the exception of burst score, checks every box. It's hard to say that with a straight face that Gary Barnage checks all the boxes, but one, but it's true. Well, he doesn't check the age box because he's in his 30s. It's crazy. It's crazy. This is the year of the late ascension. Ted Ginn. James Jones, maybe Jay Cutler, Gary Barnage. This is the this is the year of the old man. In China, they have the the different animals, the year of the goat, right? The year of the snake. I feel like this is the year of the old tortoise. But if you go back and look at that Browns Ravens game, Buck Allen got some run. Buck Allen is a guy you have to pick up right now. You just have to pick him up on principle, whether or not. Justin Forsett plays this week. The chances of Justin Forsett playing are probably 80%, if I had to guess. But 
if he doesn't play, Lorenzo Taliaferro is on the IR. So that means Buck Allen would be a workhorse. And at over 220 pounds, Buck Allen looks the part of an NFL workhorse because he has good workout metrics across the board. He was productive in college. He was one of the best pass catchers coming into this draft. He's not the pass catcher that David Johnson or Duke Johnson are. He's not a Johnson, but he's close. And in that game last week, Javorius Allen, Buck Allen, we'll call him Buck, eight carries for 58 yards, had a long run of 44 yards because that's what you like. You like guys that can go out and log explosive plays, and that's what Javorius Allen can do. 21 carries for Forsett, his longest run was 22 yards. Eight carries for Javorius Allen, his longest run was 44 yards. But Javorius Allen has that skill set, the all-purpose skill set. He can do it all. And so the upside, the ceiling on Javorius Allen is very high. Now, you look back at that Falcons-Washington game. We've talked about Devonta Freeman is this year's C.J. Anderson. And the credit for Devonta Freeman and the Atlanta run game should all go to Kyle Shanahan, right? I keep hearing that. Oh, it should all go to Kyle Shanahan. Why? Why should it go to Kyle Shanahan? Why can't the credit go to Jake Matthews in the offensive line? Why can't that happen? Why do those guys have to be anonymous? Why do you have to just default to the coach? Is it because you don't know the names of the offensive linemen? You don't have the wherewithal to go to Pro Football Focus and look up the offensive linemen and see that they're all ranked in the top 20 at their positions? You're going to just default to the the offensive coordinator and say that those NFL caliber players, they're producing because of their head coach, not because they're better than the other offensive linemen around the league. That's rude. That's just rude to say that, to give credit to the guy with the headset, the guy that doesn't actually play. Because it's weird. I always find this bizarre. On the major sports media platforms, they bring in the ex-athletes, right? The guys that have their hand in the dirt. The guy with the hand in the dirt, the guy that's been there, will default, just like the rest of us, just like the casual sports fan, will just default to praising the coach because they don't have the depth of knowledge to praise the guard play. That's why. They're just ignorant. Praising the coach and the offensive coordinator is straight ignorance. It's rude and it's ignorant. Because last year, the Browns run game was ranked number 28th in the league in yards per attempt. Why? Because they lost their center to injury. And when you lose your elite center, your run game takes a hit. No amount of coaching from Kyle Shanahan can fix an injured offensive line. He's not the primary reason for the performance. It is the players. It is the guys that are asked every snap to block the guy in front of them. It's not the guy sitting on the sideline with the khakis and the collared shirt and the headset staring at a piece of paper. Stop giving him credit that he doesn't deserve. It's just lazy. It's just lazy and uninformed. That's all it is. I mean, I used to get really mad about the overemphasis on the coach, crediting the coach for the on-field performance, making the coach the crux of the argument for explaining a player's performance. And then I just realized these people just are ignorant. They're just uninformed. And it's just easy to default to the guy that you know the name of. And it's really hard to go out and analyze all these individual offensive players on the offensive line. You need to pay $60 to get a subscription to Pro Football Focus. Psh, no way. Forget that. I don't have time for that. I know the name of the offensive coordinator. And I'm going to build a narrative around that because that's easy. 
Kyle Shanahan has some black dust that he sprinkles, magical dust that he sprinkles on the offensive linemen to make them block better, make the holes open wider. He has a technique that he teaches that is the black arts, that he went to Japan for six months to learn. And that even those that have the tape, that can watch film on Atlanta, can watch every play, they still can't figure out what these offensive linemen are doing. That's so different, that's so innovative. They're running the same plays that the Browns were running last year on their way to finishing number 28th in the NFL in yards per attempt. Kyle Shanahan is just a guy calling plays that all the other NFL coaches are calling. It's his offensive linemen that are performing well. His offensive linemen are awesome. Jake Matthews was one of the better draft picks selected in the draft in 2014. If you're going to credit anyone, credit the general manager that selected Jake Matthews. Don't credit Kyle Shanahan. Child, please. But if you look at that game, Falcons-Washington, Derek Carrier, cha-ching! Touchdown, Chris Thompson, cha-ching! Another 10 fantasy points for Chris Thompson, cha-ching! Jamison Crowder, cha-ching! Well, Jamison Crowder is heading back to the bench. I think Deshaun Jackson's going to play this week. And you might say, well, if Deshaun Jackson plays, he and Jamison Crowder look a lot alike. So they're redundant. And if Deshaun Jackson plays, Jamison Crowder's probably not going to play much. Well, that's wrong, actually. They might have similar stature, but they have dissimilar skill sets. Jamison Crowder is a technician. Jamison Crowder is a lot more similar to Willie Sneed than he is Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson's a proper split-end field stretcher. Crowder runs a 4-5-140, so Crowder's not even fast. He's small and slow, like Willie Sneed. He gets open by being a great route runner, having great body control and great hands. That's his value. It's he and Deshaun Jackson are nothing like one another. But because of that, I think Jamison Crowder has a role to play for the rest of the season in the slot for Washington. The problem is Kirk Cousins can't support three fantasy-relevant wide receivers. He can definitely support one, Deshaun Jackson. Maybe he can support two, Pierre Garçon. He definitely can't support three, Deshaun Jackson and Pierre Garçon and Jamison Crowder. That's just not happening. So the only way that Jamison Crowder will be a useful fantasy asset this season is if he crowds out Pierre Garçon's targets. Now that's possible. With Deshaun Jackson out, Pierre Garçon has been underwhelming to say the least. Pierre Garçon is looking like a wide receiver that is on the back end of his career, and he very much is. He's past the age apex. It's now two years since he led the league in targets, and he has not looked anything close to the player that he was in 2013. So there is a chance that Jamison Crowder could usurp Pierre Garçon at the flanker position and that Kirk Cousins could decide to feed Jamison Crowder in the slot at the expense of Pierre Garçon's targets. That could happen. Just like Willie Sneed pulled targets away from Brandon Coleman and Marcus Colston. But that's what's going to happen. Sneed isn't pulling targets away from Brandon Cooks any more than Jamison Crowder would pull targets away from Deshaun Jackson. That's not where... Jamison Crowder is going to receive his volume. He will have to cannibalize targets from Pierre Garçon and Ryan Grant and Andre Roberts. And it's very possible. I don't think it's going to happen this year. I still think that Pierre Garçon will receive more targets moving forward than Jamison Crowder. But that would be the path to fantasy relevance for Jamison Crowder. And now I'm out of gas. I am completely spent listeners to the Roto Underworld Hi-Fi version on SoundCloud. Thank you for sticking with me. I had to get some more of these nuggets off my chest. 